Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast uh, brought to you by WinBet, W Y N N B E T. Thanks to WinBet for their exclusive sponsorship all fall throughout the podcast season. Hey, uh, I've got my guest, Jerry Donabedian, makes his annual appearance here on the podcast. Jerry does yeoman's work here on Rotowire. He does three articles a week. Well, really, four, actually, three different types of articles a week. Uh, he does what used to be called Hidden Stats. It's now uh, backfield breakdown, target breakdown. He also does the streaming defenses article for us and also exploit the matchups later in the week. So he's a very busy man this time of year, and we appreciate him coming on. Jerry, what's going on? How you doing? I'm good. Yeah, being busy this time of year is a lot better when my Ravens win, especially when it's over the Chiefs. So it's been what a good a game. week. I know that uh, if they meet in the playoffs, it probably will go not the same way, but for today, I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, of course you should. You very well should. It was a fun game. Hey, you know, it was it was entertaining football. You know that that's the thing that was important to me. Is like these are two really really good teams, two fun teams to watch, and they got to do their thing. You know, it, you know, obviously the Ravens kind of did a job on shutting down Tyreek Hill. Uh, they they bracketed him, and it worked. I'd like to see a little bit more Tyreek Hill, selfishly for my fantasy teams. But you know, Kelsey went nuts. Uh, Mahomes does his thing. Lamar did his thing. It was great. Yeah, it was like I was kind of afterwards. I was like, well, like, you know, they kind of held Mahomes in check, but he threw for 11 yards per attempt. Um, it's just kind of one of those games where the offense played well. A few things broke right. Uh, but, yeah, no, with the Ravens having some more flaws this year than the past couple of years, they're going to end up, I think, in more entertaining games. So that's like the silver lining, right? It's yeah. More games like these first two weeks where you're just it's down to the final couple of plays. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, their their defense is gonna is a little thinner than it's been in previous years, but you know they, they they can they'll have some younger guys step up hopefully too. That that's kind of the idea. Although hopefully not against my Bengals, but we'll see about that. I think you're gonna stomp us, but it's what you usually do. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I guess uh, I you know I still think the Bengals will be all right. Uh, but you know, in the, in the AFC North now, I just think the, the Browns look so much ahead of everyone, even with losing Landry last week, as much as I hate to say that. Yeah, I think so too. I think they're, they're really strong. Let's, let's start with Cleveland. OBJ practice today. Uh, I didn't tell you we're going to start with Cleveland, but here you go. Uh, OBJ practice after missing the first two weeks, looks like he's going to uh, play with uh, Landry out at least three weeks. We'll see what happens uh, with him. I'm not starting him this week if I have him. Actually, I don't have him, but if I did, he's going to be on a wide receiver 40 for me, maybe 45. I want to see it first, given he's missed the first two weeks. Yeah, I think I think the biggest question mark spot for me where I have him is like Ayuk would be my other option. So mm-hmm. I think I'll just t- – I think, right, it's like the two guys who everyone's going to be uh, most uncertain about still. I think I'll go with Beckham there. Um, yeah, I was I was wondering if Beckham and Landry were both out, if uh, Donovan People Jones would be like a great play for a couple weeks here. He had a bunch of camp hype 
but obviously as the number three receiver in a run-heavy offense, wasn't going to get a ton of targets. Uh, I was big on Anthony Schwartz just because the pedigree, the speed he has, he made an impact in that first week. But then he, you know, he didn't finish that route, led to the interception, led to Baker Mayfield hurting his shoulder, pretty much buried after that. Yeah, yeah, he didn't really, his role didn't really end up increasing even after Landry was injured, partially because of what you said, the mistake he made. Although he, you know, he made two big plays the week before. Uh, So I'd be interested, but based on the way they've used him, I would think it looks like they're just using him as the number three receiver, regardless of what, like, he's kind of just been in his role. Um, but with Beckham back, it's like, you know, people Jones is, he's played a bunch of snaps and seen, I think three targets through two weeks. So if Beckham's back, I'm just going to probably be scared of the whole thing, except for Chubb and Hunt. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just the, the rub with Cleveland is, are there going to be enough attempts for it to matter? I mean, you look at the, the targets last week, they spread them all around the three different tight ends, got at least three targets. I kind of like Harrison Bryant. Uh, but again, do, can you get the reliable target share? That's the problem. Yeah, all three of those tight ends look good as players. It's like if if, yeah. you, if one of them could get, you know, 60, 70% of the routes that are available, but it, it hasn't been working out that way. I mean, with Nyoku kind of looking at least very athletic, resurgent again, Hooper just isn't getting enough. And then, yeah, Brian, he looks like he could, you know, potentially be something if he had more playing time. Right. So, yeah, it's just, it's messy even beyond the receivers now. It is messy. Speaking of messy, the, the Steelers are messy right now. Offense and defense, you know, Ben looks terrible. Uh, just, he's not throwing deep that much at all. And when he does, it doesn't look good. Now Deontay Johnson hurt his knee on the last meaningless play of the game last week. Didn't practice today. I'm kind of preparing for life without him for a week or two. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little fretful because I have a lot of exposure to him, but doesn't look great. And I, I don't really it's my I love Juju and I love uh Claypool, but I don't love Ben. Yeah, I mean, so far it does seem like the you know, last year after the year it was kind of did Roethlisberger slump or is he washed up? And so far, uh, you know, you might be inclined to say the latter. I'm not so sure, but he's definitely not what he once was, and he's now going to be playing through that injury. Like, it's his left pectoral, not his right. Uh, But he said it affected him during the last game, and he wasn't sure whether or not it would affect him this week. Didn't practice Wednesday. He's going to play. Like, you know, I would would say very strong chance he plays, but might not be his usual self. Um, And the drop-off there, even though Roethlisberger hasn't been good, Mason Rudolph, as far as backups go, is a pretty lousy one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with Juju and Deontay, you can at least say, you know, their targets are so short that maybe it matters a little bit less. But Claypool's already off to a rough start with that offensive line. You know, he's going to get a few more snaps, I guess, if Deontay mm-hmm. Johnson misses a game or two here. Uh, but I'm still just not even, even with those extra snaps, maybe a few extra targets, the combination of the O-line and the QB issues, it's just, it's all a little bit worrisome. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, I, I, I'm i a little interested, by the way, in Fryermuth. Uh, You know, I like, I like what I saw in the preseason. He's getting more snaps than Ebron is. He's getting a few more routes, a few more targets, too. I don't know if it's enough to be reliably startable, but things can evolve. You know, he could just he could take over by midseason and be the main tight end. Yeah. Yeah. And my target breakdown, actually, that I wrote on Tuesday, he was one of the guys I highlighted um, as like a guy to stash on your bench, not someone I'd want to start right now necessarily tight end because he right. is still in the timeshare with Ebron. Although when I looked at week two compared to week one, it did go a little closer to Fryermuth. Ebron did drop um, what 
was probably Roethlisberger's best play of the game. He got away from pressure, made this beautiful throw on third down. Uh, and, of course, Ebron, classic Ebron, dropped it. Um, so I do think that Fryermuth will probably, by the end of the year, be getting at least in like a two-thirds, one-third, or three-quarters, one-quarter situation. Uh, and, you know, with that offense, if they can't run the ball and they have to throw 40 attempts a game, even if it's not efficient, the tight end could be fantasy relevant. So I, I like him a lot as a stash and especially yeah. with Iowa State. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on that one there. Uh, big news out of Chicago. Justin Fields is going to start this week. You know, Bears fans are hoping this would happen. Maybe, you know, not this way, but maybe this way. Maybe they're like, hey, Andy, take all the time you need to heal up there. Uh, you know, take care of that. Poor Andy Dalton, by the way. You know, he got his one great year he gets hurt, you know, and, you know, misses the playoff game and everything like that. He was like a, like a down-ballot candidate for MVP that year. Uh and then they lose AJ Green his last couple of years in Cincy. Then he goes to Dallas and, oh, we're going to take away your entire offensive line when you get the big chance to, to quarterback this team. Now you go to Chicago and nobody wants you, and then you get hurt. Yeah, no, it's, he's, had a, he's had a bad run of luck combined with uh, a little bit of decline on his own with aging. Right. And Matt Nagy did say that, hey, once he's healthy, he's still our starter. But, like, you know, I think we all agree that that just depends on how Justin Fields plays, right? Like, right. Um, and- although. Oh, Anthony, Lynn said, Anthony Lynn said the same thing about Justin Herbert and Tyrod Taylor last year. Hey, they could, they're going to re-sign Tyrod any day now. And, you know, oh. Herbert's a, he's a fluke. But uh, yeah, I didn't yeah. really see, actually, I, the stats I saw were ugly. But I would say that I saw less of the Bears-Bengals game than any other game. And week two, I'm guessing you saw more of it than I did as a Bengals fan. Uh, was there anything with Fields that was, like, better than what the stats would suggest? Or was it just kind of the Bears' offense just looked ugly with both quarterbacks? Robinson actually had a bad drop, and it was in the end zone. And it okay. was – so, yeah, that 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 changes his entire stat line. It was a relatively right. deep ball. It, okay, it wasn't a bad drop. It was a drop. Uh, it went, You know, he kind of got shielded. It went kind of, like, through the defender's arms off him. But the defender didn't touch the ball. It wasn't a deflection as far as I could tell. And – you know, Robinson never drops anything. So that's yeah. the thing. That's that's why I call it a bad drop because he, he never drops anything. Right. An average drop for Allen Robinson is a bad drop. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do think the one thing I did see is the, the average attempt for Fields was far more downfield than it was for uh, Dalton. Uh, that, that's just, that illustrates the type of quarterbacks they are, too. We were talking about this on the XM show today. You notice mobile quarterbacks never check down because they're using their legs, which also means they're trying to buy time to throw farther downfield. They want the receivers to clear out. They either want to have a downfield throw or they want to have room to scramble. They don't want that extra extra target there. They don't want that extra defender in that area. So I think you're on average, I think you're going to see longer targets. That's why you see with Russell Wilson, you see with Mahomes, same thing. Anybody that scrambles a little bit, you're you're I, I think you're going to see big more air yards for those guys. Yeah, I think and we especially see that in the distribution of like targets between the running backs versus the wide receivers yep. and tight ends. And how, yeah, with the running quarterbacks, it's been pretty rare to have a running back get big time receiving volume. Right. Uh, which with David Montgomery, I've sort of, I've been kind of wondering today, I'm like, how do I, I think I move him down a little, um, mostly because I'm playing in PPR leagues because he's probably not going to, you know, doesn't have the same receiving upside with Fields yep. instead of Dalton. But at the same time, I do think having Fields on the field is good for the overall. Like, you know, as we've seen, the running quarterback tends to help rushing efficiency. Like, right. you can stick anyone out there with Lamar Jackson and they're going to put up five yards per carry. Justin Fields, not Lamar Jackson, but he is a guy with, like, sub-4-5 speed, a guy who likes to run. 
Uh, so I think it could help Montgomery from that perspective, but I think I'd rather just have the more receiving upside. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at 80% snap share for Montgomery as you break down in the backfield breakdown. Uh, and that's fifth among all running backs. So even if he doesn't have a huge target uh, number, number of targets, he's still out there all the time. It's not like they're bringing in Damian Williams on third down. They're not. So I think it affects him less. Yeah, he's getting if he's not getting carries, he's probably getting targets. If he's not getting targets, he's probably getting carries. Probably the tiebreaker there is just like whether Fields is good, right? Like if Fields mm-hmm. is good, we're not going to care that Montgomery is getting one one fewer, one and a half fewer targets per game because he's going to be getting in the end zone. He's going to be piling up yards. If Fields stinks, then we're really going to be missing those targets because the touchdowns aren't going to be there to make up for it. Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, before we go on, move on from breaking news and talk, start even talking more about the uh, Jerry's work, a quick note from our friends at Yahoo. The new NFL season is underway, and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contest now being shark-free. To celebrate the beginning of football season and Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim free $10 in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 contest entry credit offer to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. In addition to free credit, the Yahoo has a $1 million DFS football contest live. The $1 million contest features $1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving $100,000 in an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event which will occur at MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome. Once again, sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 offer to get started. Jeff Erickson here with Jerry Donabedian. You can uh, follow Jerry on Twitter at Jerry Donabedian. Uh, you can read all of his work on Rotowire. Uh, we've got a ton of good stuff every single week, focusing right now on the backfield breakdown and the target breakdown that you can find on Rotowire. And a couple of things I wanted to jump off with here. First of all, you were talking about that Sunday night game uh, the, and the Chiefs. You noticed uh, that Mecole Hardman had a uh, pretty big shift in terms of his snap share and his routes run. Yeah, yeah. Week one was encouraging for him. I think he played over two-thirds of snaps and was running around about three-quarters of Mahomes' dropbacks. Then week two, he did that and more. I think he was up around 80% snap share. And he saw nine targets, which was his second most in a game. It was like his first time, really, where he had the targets and the snap share up over three-quarters in a game. Yeah, uh, And, you know, he's maybe had a little bit of help so far from the fact that the Chiefs have either been in, like, back-and-forth games or playing from behind a little bit. Uh, and maybe that's hurt Edward Solaire a little bit, although more just inefficiency has been the problem there. Um, but, yeah, no, it, I thought it was really promising in terms of the usage. I'm, I don't know if I love him as much as a player as some of the other people here at Rotowire, but if you disagree and you are higher on him as a player, then like you should be absolutely ecstatic right now. Um, where I've got him, I'm mostly still keeping him on the bench. Um, I want to see another week. I still think, like, I still worry that Andy Reid likes Demarcus Robinson. Like, who knows? You know, Byron Pringle gets a few more snaps. So I still have some concerns, uh, but it's definitely more promising than it was a couple weeks ago, despite the lack of big numbers so far. Yeah. I, sometimes I watch Hardman. I'm like, I, I look at, at the plays he makes. I'm like, 
damn, how's he not getting more work? How are they not featuring him more? And then I see like the play where there is a play, play where he was targeted in the end zone and he wasn't even really looking for the ball in the right direction. And it seems like sometimes he lacks the awareness of the position. Yeah, I, I, right. When I've watched him, like I have not, I've thought that, you know, he's really good with the ball in his hands. Um, but you know, other guys like that, you know, maybe like Debo Samuel, someone where that's his strength is just, he's much more polished as a receiver. Hardman also though, like he's only in his third year. He hasn't been a starter and he was very young as a prospect. I think he's only 23 still, maybe just turned 23. Uh, and you don't need to be great to put up some decent numbers when you're with Patrick Mahomes. Um, right. And then you, plus there's always, we are still always kind of with him. It's like, you wonder about the upside if Tyreek Hill were to miss time, um, you know, right now, maybe for this week, it doesn't matter, but that's still there as a factor too. So he's kind of like the perfect guy to have as your fourth receiver right now. Exactly. Uh, by the way, if you're unfamiliar with Jerry's target breakdown series, it used to be called hidden stats last year. And we broke it down into target breakdown and backfield breakdown. I'm going to post a link here for those of you watching the stream with us here. You can follow along. Uh, but Jerry, give a quick, like, 30,000 feet review of what you're doing with this article. Um, so basically I go just through each game um, and look at, you know, first I do running backs. I look at every running back who played that week um, for every team, show like snap shares, target shares, uh, how many carries, what percentage of the team carries, percentage of touches, mostly looking at usage stats. I mean, we'll also touch on, I write notes under each game in addition to the stats. So I'll also touch on efficiency who got the goal line work, who got the third down stats. Um, and then at the end, I take all that work I've done breaking the games down and I put up uh, stat leaderboards for the whole league. Uh, I do waiver recommendations. I do drop recommendations. We look at injuries from the previous week. Um, and I actually put that at the top of the article. It's sort of a change that around a little this year because the game by game breakdowns, they're very long, right? Like it does take a while to get through them. Um, and a lot of the information is then put to use. So I sort of put that first and then the game by game stuff is like, if you want to get into those details of like, you know, who was getting the third and sevens for the New York Jets or right. whatever, like it's there for you. Um, you know, it's probably only going to matter if you're playing a hundred DFS lineups or 59 deep dynasty leagues. But I, you know, I play in some really deep dynasty league type stuff where I care about every second, third string running back type thing. So I, I make notes on it and kind of, uh, yeah, do with it what you will. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, and, and uh, if you got, if you guys, I posted this in the forum, but if you want to check it out on Rotowire, if you don't already have an account on Rotowire, go to rotowire.com slash try, get that free 10 day trial. Uh, and you can see the link to the article there and you can see all of Jerry's work. Let's go with, there's a couple of guys that jumped in mind for me here and, you know, uh, couple of guys that caught my eyes drop uh that you had pickups and drops for one the one that jumped out to me is christian kirk you recommend a drop on christian kirk why uh just i not getting that much playing time not getting a lot of targets uh i think green so far hopkins and green green have both been every down players um and so more rondell moore who's been looked incredible so far has either you know it's either been he's been the fourth receiver or or he's been the third guy and taking snaps away from Kirk. Uh, and even though Kirk had the big game week one, I just think Moore is going to keep taking more snaps there. Like we've seen Kirk have these one or two big games a season. Uh, I'm not buying into like any kind of late breakout or upside. Like the only thing I could see for him 
with upside is Hopkins getting hurt. And then, you know, then you've got 10 targets per game spread around to everyone. And even then, like, I would just probably be trying to trade for Rondell Moore or something instead. So it's funny because I picked up Kirk. I, I was chasing last week's stats, apparently, but uh, uh, between between week one and week two, I picked him up. And he's, I always kind of nominally thought him thought of him as the uh, number two receiver there. But it's interesting and enlightening to see that, uh, that he, the lack of snaps that he's getting, which is kind of funny. Uh, Hopkins, it's interesting. They don't move him around pre-snap that much, uh, which means he usually locks in with one particular uh cover corner and this past week it was his old teammate Patrick Peterson which was interesting so that explains why he may have only gotten four targets and why they targeted more more frequently and AJ Green more frequently uh I think there'll be I think for instance this week there's nobody on Jacksonville that scares me as a as a corner so I think it could be a really big DeAndre Hopkins week yeah they do seem to just prefer to throw to Hopkins unless like the other team totally takes him away um, and I did think I do on the Kirk thing. I do think it was kind of. It does seem like they just handed AJ Green the every down roll and demoted Kirk. When like I mean, I might have leaned toward the opposite based on what we right. saw last year, right? I wouldn't say might. I I definitely would have leaned toward the opposite. Uh, Green Green looks all of them. I guess everyone for Arizona has looked pretty good through two weeks. Uh, matchups help with that. But hey, they're getting their best matchup yet this weekend in Jackson. Yeah, they are. They are, and. You know, I'm a Bengals fan. So, yeah, I thought Green looked pretty washed at the end of the season last year. But he also probably was demotivated some, too. I mean, the, the, we tend to have that effect on our players. So, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Uh, maybe, yeah, but it, after a couple of weeks, it does look like he's still getting his snap share there a little bit. Uh, and at the meantime, you're trying to go out and get Rondale Moore everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I think most places that I'm uh, – I, I think it's too late most places um, – I think he does have, like, yeah, I think that just looking at Green and Kirk, like, I do think Moore could be the number two receiver there by the end of the season. We know their tight ends aren't going to catch a ton of passes. Um, so I do think that he could be, like, a thousand-yard rookie-type guy. But I will caution, like, when I look at this target breakdown, I look at his route share and snap share, like, next week could easily be a goose egg. It's not like he is still splitting snaps with Christian Kirk. Um, and the fact that he's been good, I think Moore should get more playing time, but I don't make the decisions. Uh, the bet is that over the season that works out and he eventually ends up in a full-time role. Uh, but for week three or week four, uh, and that's again, I think I put him as more of a stash than a week three streamer, even though he's had the production has come on such a small workload that you need to see that workload grow before you can right. trust that the production will continue. When we cite yeah, roster percentages, this was obviously when you posted, probably the first uh, run of waivers has changed that a little bit, but it's also Yahoo leagues. Just for people who are looking to understand exactly when we say, okay, Rondale Moore is 35% rostered, that's like as of Tuesday on Yahoo leagues. Right. Yeah. No, he's definitely more than, he's probably rostered in all but one league that I play in. Um, and so we also, like, yeah, I also include like Quintez, Cephas, Marcus Valdez, Scantling. Uh, yep. Diamond Brown. Like, I try to cover like basically everything from like 1% rostered or even 0% for like those really deep leagues up to like 50% rostered. Or we're like Darnell Mooney, Rondell Moore, guys that most people who are listening are like, those guys aren't available. Like, what? They, you know, they were taken in the 10th or 11th round. But in like an eight man league or even some 10 man leagues, like Mooney and Rondell Moore, not more anymore, but Mooney maybe are available on waivers sometimes. Well, a guy listed uh, I think is interesting is K.J. Osborne. Uh, you know, some people actually did pick him up last week uh, because he was targeted frequently enough in week one. But if you needed to see it again, you saw it again. He got six He got six targets, 
Obviously, that one big long play, 58% snapshot, what you'd expect to see from a third receiver. You know, we were wondering, who's the third guy in the tree now that Irv Smith's gone? People are speculating on Ty Conklin, uh, speculating on Chris Herndon. You know, instead it's Osborne, who got zero targets last season. Yeah, yeah, he was like, and I don't even really remember because the number three job in Minnesota was talked about this summer a little yeah. more than usual because they lost Kyle Rudolph. And I was like, well, with Irv as the number one tight end, Conklin as number two, maybe they'll run a tiny bit more three receiver stuff. But instead, they've gone to like one of the most three wide heavy teams in the league. A little bit of that is game script, right? They've mostly yeah. been playing from um, behind or back and forth. But it's also just the fact that they don't really have anyone else to put out there. Like they're, they don't, Chris Herndon. And Ben Ellison, I don't know if I said that right, are their backup tight ends. They don't trust those guys clearly, which makes sense. Um, they probably barely trust Tyler Conklin. He hasn't looked good so far, at least in the passing game. Um, so, like, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not, like, going out and looking to spend a lot of fob on K.J. Osborne. But, like, I think he can keep seeing, I can think he can see a handful of targets per game throughout the year. Um I don't think what he's doing is going to continue. I think more of those looks are going to end up going toward Dalvin Cook and toward Jefferson and Thielen, of course. Even though all those guys are already eating, I could, I just, yeah, I, I still don't think that that role in Minnesota is going to produce a ton of targets. Um, but certainly more I, than expected. I think that the game script might continue. I think their DBs are terrible. Uh, and you know, you saw you saw like the gifs going around of. Uh, Chase just torching Peterson, even on routes where he wasn't thrown to. They didn't throw at him that often. But on the other side, Breland was getting torched. He gave up like over 150, I think 135 yards in week one against the Bengals. Uh, you know, they're having a hard time. I, you know, they, they've kind of overhauled their defensive backfield the last two years. I don't think they're there yet. Maybe they'll get better as the season wears on. Zimmer is known as a defensive genius after all. But, you know, it, it's not looking good right now. It's an old defense, um, a lot of familiar names, uh, but, you know, apart from, like, Danielle Hunter, like, none of them are really in their prime at this point. And, yeah, like, Patrick Peterson, Bashad Breland there. Last year they tried all, like, going all rookies at cornerback, got smoked. This year they went with the washed-up guys. Uh, mm -hmm. should have, they should have signed your guy, William Jackson, but, I mean, I guess, you know, they're, they had other holes to address in the offseason. Yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't love that trade-off for the Bengals, losing Jackson, signing a Wouzier. I mean, a Wouzier is not bad. Uh, the, the, the big problem for them is they signed Trey Waynes a year ago, and he hasn't played a single snap for them yet. Yeah, yeah, that has. It's kind of a problem. It's not worked out well. Yeah. Although the Bengals' defense isn't their problem right now. Uh, it's it's their, you know. Their defense can't be the, uh, double as an offensive line. That's their real problem. But yeah. uh, we'll see about that. A, fam a familiar problem. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, who other? Who are some other guys based on like your target article uh, that you're looking at maybe picking up in leagues that might be a little deeper dives? Uh, I like Van Jefferson. He, I know in week one, you know, he had the big game, basically just on one big catch. He's only seen, I think, six targets through two weeks, but he's played – Almost, I think in week two, he played 96 or 100% of snaps. The Rams basically just ran the same five skill position players out on the mm -hmm. field for every single play until Darrell Henderson got hurt. Then they just, Sonny Michelle subbed in for him, same deal, basically. Um, so I just think if he's on the field that much in a good offense and that continues, like he's going to get to six or seven touchdowns. Um, I, he's still kind of an unknown. Like he's a second round pick from last year who didn't play much. I think most people were surprised he was a second round pick. And because of that, he hasn't really gotten a ton of attention. Like 
a lot of people had like a fourth round grade on him. Um, but yeah. I do think there's potential there and that even if he's not a great player, if he can get 80 targets in that offense somehow, uh, I think he'll be pretty productive. Quintez Cephas is kind of the last man standing, the best man standing among the, the Lions wideouts. Looks like Tyrell Williams will miss another game this week. The house of Tyrell is a little shaky still uh, with the con- concussion. Uh, Cephas got 89% of the snaps last week. Uh, you know, a lot of a decent number of air yards obviously scored the first touchdown. I know Hawkinson's their first and second option, but Cephas looks pretty darn good too. Yeah. And he was like at the end of last year, there was kind of talk about like, you know, when they were doing the rebuilding thing and it was clear they were going to let Jones and Galladay go in March that like he would be, he would get a shot in the starting role because he had had some good games as a rookie. Um, But then he sort of disappeared in like during training camp, all the reports were that he was a backup. Um, But now it seems like, him and Tyrell Williams are the starters. Williams was hurt in week two, um, but Cephas played more snaps than any other receiver, had the touchdown, most targets besides Hawkinson. I mean, you know, that Lions offense, like Hawkinson will get it done because he's really good and he's going to see a ton of targets. Um, I don't, you know, there's not that much upside with the wide receivers, but like as a deep league guy, you know, I think he will see five or six looks per week uh, and that has value a lot of places. Yeah. And Hawkinson is like a top three tight end. He's past Kittle for me. Uh, I just love the usage I, and just the narrow tree. I think he's just, I, you know, I, you know, John Hanson always likes to, I learned this phrase, by the way, this week, he, he called him the Hawk alarm because there would be an alarm that would ring when he'd start to get too many targets and they'd go away from him just because he'd like to taunt us. So they call it the Hawk alarm. I think they put that on permanent snooze this season. Yeah. He's, I was like, at some point you, I guess you worried that if he's like, you know, it's so obvious that they're going to him. But, like, yep. at tight end, you'll take when he's getting nine, ten targets. And, like, yeah, like you said, you look. I looked at the usage, too, and it's, like, whatever, 97% of snaps. He's run around on all but, like, two of Jared Goss. It's, like, you know, it's the kind of thing you only really see, like, Travis Kelsey. Uh, Logan Thomas last year, obviously a much lesser player than Kelsey or Hawkinson, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not put him ahead of Kittle yet. I think that there, I do think that there is, you know, that he's not, the touchdowns are going to be an issue in Detroit, even if he's getting a lot of targets and he is a big guy. I worry about that a little. Um, And I think Kittle will be okay. He ran more routes this past week. um, And he has just such a strong history of production that I think he will end up being. I've got him, let's put it this way. I got him at three in my rankings for this week ahead of Kittle. But then again, Kittle draws Green Bay, and we just saw Green Bay can't handle a tight end, so we'll see. But then again, Hawkinson gets your Ravens, and you know we, we saw Waller get 19 targets against them. We saw Kelsey go nuts on Sunday night. Now, those are the two elite tight ends in football, so it might be just that, but I don't know. The Ravens seem like they might have, have troubles covering tight ends. The, I would say if Hawkinson has a good game, the Ravens' defense versus position stats will, no matter how well they play guard tight ends, they will never recover. Like they're going to be right, right. in December, you're going to be reading some article or something like the Ravens have allowed the third most points to tight ends, even if they haven't allowed a catch in a month because they're just getting absolutely smoked by them out of the gate. Right. And Waller, I thought they did an okay job guarding him. I mean, they didn't, the first half, at least. Yeah. Not great. I thought that. You know, I thought him and Carr actually had a, a drop and another misconnection. It could have been like a 160-yard game, really. And Kelsey, you know, he was like, whatever, he had 80 yards and a touchdown on not that many targets. So, yeah, Hawkinson is obviously like he's – I guess I have him fourth at tight end this week. So, we're, yeah. we're basically right there. Like, he's the real deal. 
Right. And if I recall, that's the Sunday night game for San, San Francisco. So for DFS purposes, we won't be able to use Kittle in the main slate. So, you know, yeah, I was going to say you could pivot to Kittle as like the lesser used guy for once, but uh, no, that's not going to be the case. Maybe on your uh, showdown slates, you can you can take advantage of that a little bit there. Um, yeah, and, and then the Ravens, you know, they're going to they're at uh, Denver next week, so it'll things will change a little bit there. Although Noah Fant's a good tight end too. I don't know. Maybe they, they're just drawing like all the good tight ends early on. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And they have had a little more trouble against tight ends than receivers in recent years. I guess when you mm-hmm. look at the corners, that makes sense. Sure enough. Uh, before we start talking about backfields, a, a quick note from WinBet. There's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire. It's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down on blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Jared Don- Jerry Donabedian. We've been talking about uh, Jerry's art- uh, target article. Well, now we're going to move on to the backfield. And Jerry... Philip Lindsay has scored two weeks in a row, but you think he's possibly a drop option. Yeah, I think he's been pretty fortunate to score two weeks in a row. Um, you know, Ingram is getting maybe 60% of the groundwork. David Johnson is coming in for most of the passing games, passing downs. They even brought Burkhead in a decent amount for a decent amount of snaps this past week. So Lindsay kind of just has like this awkward role where they throw him in for a handful of carries per game. And we're like, eh, why'd we sign this guy? That's, I mean, you could guess you could say that with like Ingram or Burkhead too. Um, but I just, I don't think that there's really any upside there. Even if Ingram gets hurt, it's just going to be a three-way committee with Burkhead too. So I'm, I'm pretty much, pretty much just still not interested in Houston. Yeah, I hear you. I, I'm with you on that one too. Uh, it, it is funny how, Ooh, Ingram's in the game must be a run, you know, and it's going to be even worse with Davis Mills at quarterback this week. Yeah, I do find that. I, I also find that odd that like uh, multiple teams have done that with Peyton Barber. Um, I know sometimes it's like a fourth, you know, they bring him in on fourth and inches. Like, of course, it's going to be a run, but where they will even on first down, it's like every time they bring him in, it's a run. It's like, why do you want to telegraph that you're giving the ball to your worst player? It's, it makes very little sense to me. Um, yeah. But. And, you know, like, I mean, I'm probably my insistence on just the Texans have, you know, I'm probably going to miss out on maybe I should have picked up Mark Ingram. Like, if the guy gets 15 carries per week, like, he's going to average 50-plus yards, even if the team's a mess, right? Yeah. You know what? You know, the shining a light so a cat will chase it game, that works every single time. I think, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars are that cat. Um, They didn't quite figure it out to crack that code in week one, but uh, it didn't work nearly as well against the Browns this past week. Uh, We'll see about that. Uh, Who else jumped out at you when you were doing the breakdown in the backfield? 
Uh, Kenny Gainwell, I think. I'm a little bit... He's been getting, like, he's actually had a larger role than what Boston Scott had behind Miles Sanders when both of those guys were healthy last year. Um, Gainwell being a rookie, always exciting. Miles Sanders, a guy who's a good, talented runner, but has always struggled with, like, all those things coaches complain about. The drops, the pass blocking, the fumbles. Um, and so right now, I mean, I don't, I think Sanders is going to continue getting most of the work because he's been good, but I do think he's a guy. And again, he's from the previous regime, previous coaching staff. Um, I think that they're between injury potential and maybe some hidden potential for a benching that people aren't looking at. I'm interested in Kenny Gainwell. Plus like he is getting like what, seven, eight touches a week. So in deeper formats, you need to, you can throw him in as a desperation start. That's nice to have in like a bench stash. Yeah, it is. It is. I have gained well in a few places. Uh, I, I was happy to pick him up. Uh, just the, the tricky part is, okay, now I got to try to find a place to use him sometimes. Uh, but I do like him quite a bit. Uh, you know, one of the things that you do in this article is, you, you know, you break down not just the, how many snaps they're doing, but where they're getting use, used as well. Like if it's on red zone situations, uh, what, you know, third down situations, passing downs. That's one of the things that I think that's really helpful about this article. Yeah, yeah, no, it is definitely, you know, when you look at sometimes, especially I think with targets, it can be people will see like a running back gets five targets and like, ooh, now he's like a three down back or whatever. But like, or even like with Derrick Henry, there's been a lot of talk about him getting more targets, um, which shouldn't be totally dismissed, right? New offensive coordinator, um, that type of thing. But it's not like he's playing in situations where he didn't. Like you look and Jeremy McNichols, uh, still came on every time it was a third and long. Like he's, yep. they're still taking Derrick Henry off in the two minute drill. So like, there's still going to be those zero catch games. Um, maybe they are trying to prioritize him more in the passing game. You would kind of yeah. hope so. Cause like he, you know, he's not going to run routes really well. He's 250 pounds, but like he's got pretty decent hands. And when he has the ball in his hands, like he's Derrick Henry, whether he caught it or he started with a carry. So. Yeah, he's not going to be like your like crazy wheel route guy, but they are designing some plays. A good screen that happened against Seattle. They, there's another play uh, where he came out in the flat and he was clearly the uh, intended target. So, you know, yeah. it's a little different. We'll take it. Right. I'm seeing it as kind of when I look at the usage, I'm like, okay, maybe he's a two catch per game guy now rather than a one catch per game guy. He's not, you know, people might want him to be like a four catch per game guy. I, I highly, highly doubt it. But like that extra catch per game, that could be the difference between like, that's the difference between him being a good and not so good pick at, you know, fourth, fifth overall where you took him possibly. Here's where I confess I have zero Derrick Henry this year. Uh, yeah, I me, just, me neither. I, I got worried about the, the, you know, 800 touches basically the last two years and just including playoffs. And I, I, I just, I had memories of like Earl Campbell being this frail man early in his career, just because of the workload he had and the pounding that he took, even though he was dishing it out you know, it, it takes a toll on his body too. Yeah. I think with, I guess, I mean, I feel like I've been fading Henry for a few years now and I've just been nothing but regret over it. Right. But one of these days I'm going to be right. Uh, but that's, of course, that's true for every player. Yeah. <laughs> one of, yeah. I mean, Matt, you know, he's taking 400 touches a year. It's like he, no matter if he's the most durable player in the NFL, which he may very well be, he still is probably more at risk of getting hurt than what we think based on how healthy he's been so far, right? Like every time you touch the ball, there's some risk and he's touching. Same with like McCaffrey, durable guy, what we saw last year, he's just getting the ball so much, there's some chance. Um, 
So I just with Tennessee, you're normally then that's why I like to stash the backup running backs. But with Tennessee, it's who do you stash? Yeah, there are always those guys that defy the norm, that defy the uh, the actuarial tables, if you will. And he could be that guy. I could, you know, he I could end up being be, wrong, and then I'll be saying my process was right, but that doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, you know, yeah, it's funny. He smashed right through your process like it was a defensive back or something like that, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, what do you make out of the San Francisco backfield? It's a mess. I I don't know how Elijah Mitchell could have put up a complete dud, had a touchdown overturned, injured his shoulder, and he might be more valuable than he was at this time last week just because right. his injury was not as bad as everyone else's. Um, but you do kind of worry, like – are they now just going to be forcing this sixth round rookie to play through like a uh, kind of questionable shoulder injury just because they have no one else? I mean, they signed out um, of Jock Patrick, some 240 pound uh, guy off the bank, the Bengals practice squad. Yes, your, that's right. Your buddy Jock, right? Um, yeah. I, I didn't really know much about him. They added Chris Thompson to the practice squad today. So like I guess Chris Elijah Thompson Mitchell. season, yeah. Duke John Duke Johnson was lacking, so they went Chris Thompson and to find that stereotypical third down back role. But yeah, and the most uh, the most fragile one they could find too. The guy who's like played more than ten games once or twice in eight year career or whatever. Rest of season, Trey Sermon or Elijah Mitchell? I I'll, I'll go Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. Okay, I, you're that down on Sermon, huh? Yeah, I just I think once I think the if you're like a first round pick, I think the draft capital continues to matter. But I think like the difference between a third and sixth round pick, I think it's it matters in May, like in mm-hmm. OTAs. After that, I don't think it really matters. Like if Mitchell moved ahead of Sermon, like I think it's just because they now think Mitchell is better, um, and they probably think that Sermon was a bad third round pick, which is what basically everyone said when they took Sermon in the third round. Is, no one had a third round grade on this guy. Um, and the excitement was based on Shanahan's system more so than the player, which is the same thing for Elijah Mitchell, realistically. Uh, but I do still like, you know, I, I think there's upside there just because like who else is going to take the ball? We know the plays will be well-designed and the blocking will be good. So. Yeah. Would you stash it. Jeff Wilson in the hopes that he might be eclipsed both of them later on when he comes back from his injury? Oh, yeah. A few hours ago, I was going through some of my not as deep leagues and seeing where I had IR slots and if I could sneak Jeff Wilson on there. And um, yeah. for, for a little bit deeper league, I'd even be willing to use a non-IR bench spot on him at this point. It's like such a mess. Who knows? Jeff Wilson might be returning to like 80 percent of snaps and 18 touches or something. Not not that anyone should count on that or even count on him being back at all the way things have gone for the 49ers. But there's the upsides there. Yeah, here's the thing. The Niners and the Pats are similar because they frustrate the hell out of us because they change who's going to be getting the targets, who's going to be getting the snaps, the carries, or the third down targets and all that. But they're good. So when you get that share, it's very valuable if you can get it right. The problem is they change it so frequently and they don't tell us. So that's the tough part. Yeah, when I've, I almost wonder if they're like better at evaluating line talent and skill position talent. I mean, with Kyle Shanahan, it's like he's been so good at designing plays. They've done such a good job rebuilding their offensive line. But like some of the stuff with like that guy, like Joe Williams, a few years back, where it's like he pounded the table to pick him in the third round against everyone else, and he never played. Yeah. Uh, yep. Trey Sermon, and then like, you know, paying Jared McKinnon. 
does seem like his evaluation of running backs isn't great, but fortunately anyone he puts in averages five and a half yards per carry because his right. play designs and his blocking are so good. That's wild. It is wild. They're kind of like the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, uh, if you're a baseball fan at all, like just, you know, they're, they've got like 98 wins, but they don't have one pitcher you can count on getting those wins or, you know, or, or saves for that matter. Saves are even worse with them, but you know, I don't want, this is a football podcast. I won't get too far afield, but point is, you know, count on the organization, but it's not the greatest thing for fantasy. So that's really the frustrating part about that there. Uh, any other running backs that you're thinking of stashing this week? Cause it's not an obvious, it's not like there's a Mitchell out there this week that everybody's going to bid on. Who's a good, like cheap, like $1 bid, $0 bid stash this week at running back. Yeah, it's not, I would say it's not as exciting of a week. It is. I am more looking at, like I said, I'm looking, browsing the bottom of the page for where I can add Jeff Wilson and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Sal- Salvin Ahmed is someone I've kind of been talking about since this summer. And I've like, I've, I have leagues where I've dropped, added, dropped, add. Like he's my default. If there's no, someone on my team I'm just done with, I just add Salvin Ahmed and then I drop them the next week when I actually need someone who's going to play. <laughs> <laughs> But I do think Miles Gaskin has not been playing well. He had a horrible game pass blocking last week. He allowed like six pressures or something ridiculous, like as bad of a PFF grade for that as you'll ever see. Um, and the Dolphins were a disaster. Uh, he's had a drop. I just, you know, I think he could at some point lose that job um, and could step in. Um, and Malcolm Brown has not seen his role grow at all. So I do think that's one where, in addition to injuries, you have that possibility of benching. And no one's really looking to add him because no one is excited about Miami's offense right now. Right. Rightfully so, but I do still think there's some talent there. Uh, and, you know, if Tua does come back in a few weeks, they do have Fuller and Water. Waddle healthy. It's going to help keep defensive backs out of the box and maybe maybe some potential down the road for Ahmed. Yeah, we didn't really talk about Tua being out this week. Uh, Brissett looked terrible last week. Now, maybe at C also pass blocking, but he's kind of looked terrible for much of his career. I, 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 it's too bad because I think this is a pretty interesting matchup with the Raiders. And that, th- this game provided a lot of fireworks last season. They played each other last season. Uh, I, what do you expect you know, out, of, out of Brissett in this offense with the full week of practice with Brissett? Yeah, do you think there's a perception that Brissett is one of the best backup QBs in the league? And I don't think there's like really much to if you look at what has actually happened when he's played it's been no it's been it's not been good um i don't you know he's not like mason rudolph where it's like cover your eyes bad no chance to but it's he's pretty bad um and unfortunately i have like a two qb league where i have tua and fitzpatrick lost both of them and i now have to do like a max fob bid on Brissett either because it's either that or like kendall hinton and hope for like one catch in the second qb spot yikes but i'm I'm not, yeah, I'm not optimistic. I'm not really a believer in Tua either, but I at least was like, he kept me interested in the Dolphins passing game because like, Mm -hmm. we don't really know he was an early pick. With Brissett, I'm just like, uh, I think the targets are spread too thin. They've got a backfield rotation. Uh, Gasicki kind of disappeared in week one, came back in week two, but like, they were down by 35 points. He's always played a lot when that's been the case. It's sort of the more in-between situations with him that you worry about. Yeah, I was reading uh, that Pats game. They kept him in to block a lot because they're concerned about their rookie tackle. And I'm like, well, there are going to be other games where they're concerned about their rookie tackle too, not just New England. And I don't know. I just I got a little grumpy reading that. I was like, come on, you know, you've got this talent. Are we just are we evaluating him different than they are? I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. I can't say I love him as a player, but it, yeah, yeah, keep him in. He's they mostly have used him as like an oversized slot receiver to this point. Um, I do, I do with them. It's like the combination of bad offensive line plus a bunch of pretty good but not great skill players, where it's like the touches are spread thin, and it's none of it is all that efficient. Um, right. Maybe Will Fuller or Jalen Waddle is good enough to where they're just so good that like you know you have to throw them the ball. But other than that, I'm just kind of done feeling a little done with this offense and maybe just hoping like they give Ahmed 15 touches at some point because they're yeah. still gasking. Yeah, I actually had a little bit of gasking. I, I still have that Raiders game in my memory bank from last year. I still think there's some skills, but yeah, he hasn't played well so far this year. There's no denying that. Uh, before we start talking, exploiting the matchups and a little bit another news note before we sign out. Quick note from our friends at Vivid Seats. Preseason football has wrapped up. And we're ready for the regular season to kick off. And we're here in week three. Live events are making a comeback. And there's no better place to be than Vivid Seats to get back into the action. So grab your NFL tickets and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Man, that feels great to say. Even better, they just launched a new and improved rewards program with free tickets for every fan. Earn rewards, ticket upgrades, and perks just for shopping. If you're looking for tickets to the game, your favorite artist, or that new show everyone is talking about, Vivid Seats has it all. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thanks to Vivid Seats. Thanks to our Blue Wire Network sponsors as well. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Jerry Donabini, and we're talking about his series of articles uh, let's talk about exploiting the matchups. This this is this is a fun one. This is where we always look about uh, you know looking at the wide receiver cornerback sets up, setups and all the specialized matchups that make that particular week uh, week look good or bad. Yeah, yeah, it's my final article of the week, and that's kind of where after I do like on Monday and Tuesday, I do the backfield breakdown and the target breakdown, where I'm looking at all the different usage for different teams. Then on Wednesday and Thursday, try to look more at the matchups, what's coming up this week. Um, but you will also, if you read it, you'll see that I like work in a lot of the stuff about the rules. Like it is a, it's mostly a matchups article, but still talking about a lot of other stuff. Some of that other stuff, like notes that I've made from the previous week. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
So this week, you're starting to work, do that work on the article now. What's caught your eye? Um, well, to be honest, I am like still, I'm in my in-between between weeks one and two. Okay. Um, I do know I am pretty excited about Noah Fant, although it's also perhaps because I'm trying to trade him in one league. Um, but with the Broncos being home against the Jets and Jerry Judy out, um, I think Sutton and you know and Fant and maybe Hamler are going to have big weeks. I will note that Sutton, Fant, and Tim Patrick were all in the injury report Wednesday, but they were all limited participants. Um, yep. in, in Fant's case, I think that was also the case either in week one or week two. We handled a full workload. Right. Uh, I believe he's seen 14 targets through two games, has a touchdown, 77% of snaps. Um, although, you know, he's looking great, but tight end in general is looking pretty strong this year, especially if we kind of assume some kind of bounce back from George Kittle, um, right. so where I'm like, I'm stoked on Fant, but then I like, I go to rank him. I'm like, oh, I still only have him like eighth or ninth among tight ends. Like he's not, you know, most years, like if I saw his usage through two weeks from a first round pick, I'd be like, oh my God, this, you know, this guy is a tight end three, tight end four, but the position is just really strong right now Yeah, um, for the first time in a while. It's strong, but it it drops Sh- off like yeah, it's quickly. strong but shallow. Whereas, like, yeah, a lot of years there were like twenty five guys who could all do a little bit for you. This year, there's like eight guys who are good, and then like a few mediocre, and then guys who like barely play or see targets. It seems like. Yeah, that's right. So you know, uh, you know, it, it's interesting on a couple of these here. Uh, you know, a couple of the. Uh, what was I going to say about the Oh, about the Broncos also. So the other thing about the Broncos too is I think Sutton, you know, him being limited is kind of a management thing. You know, they're trying to work him back from the ACL. He looked a lot stronger last week than he did in week one facing the Jaguars. Has something to do with that. But facing the Jets, we want this. We, we, we're really looking forward to this matchup. Yeah, I mean, home against the Jets, I would, you know, the Jaguars, at least, they don't have a very good secondary, but they've spent some, like, they've got a first-round pick, C.J. Henderson, and a big money signing, uh, Griffin. The Jets just have a bunch of, like, sixth, fifth, and sixth-round picks and undrafted guys they have just been kind of throwing at the position. Um, they'll probably address that with all the picks they've got in this next draft. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, I think it's just that they're, they're a great matchup for wide receivers. Um, and we saw last year that even when they lost in blowouts, because the Jets did have a decent run defense and were so bad against the pass, that teams would kind of keep throwing on them, just like, eh, it's easy, it's fun, eh, keep doing it. Yep, yep, I think that's right. Uh, who's in a particularly bad matchup this week offensively? Like, who are you looking at? Like, ugh, I don't really. I, I usually would start this guy, but after looking at the matchups, I don't. I don't like it. Um, I don't like Damian Harris this week, uh, for the Patriots. Okay. That's a good Um, one. Yeah. I think that I expected the Saints run defense to drop off more than it has, um, with some of the bodies they've lost, but so far that, I mean, their offense has looked like the bigger problem. Harris is a guy I've been a little bit down on anyway. Um, and I think the Patriots have done a really nice job using James White um, and I also just think, I think Matt Jones has looked sharp with the quick passing game. Like he's looked, um, I didn't, can't say I like loved him as a prospect, but like the people who said he was the most like week one ready of the rookies might've been right. Like he looks, you know, ready to at least manage an NFL offense. Uh, and I think they are kind of returning to it, looking a little bit more like what it looked like under Tom Brady with more three receiver stuff. It's not like last year's sort of like, Whatever that was, it wasn't really a modern NFL offense, but I think getting right. back to that, 
Um, I do think Jacoby Myers is going to start to put up some numbers as well. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if Lattimore's back for the Saints. That, that's a big, big matchup aspect of that team, too. Uh, they're getting Bradley uh, Roby more and more involved uh, in their coverage as well after trading for him uh, from the Texans. So Saints defense, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I didn't think they were that good. I thought they lost too many key parts in the offseason. They had a lot of salary cap woes. And then they went out and shut down the Packers. So I'm like, okay, I was wrong about the Saints. Maybe they are really good still because they, they've had a pretty strong defense over the last few years. And they kind of laid an egg against Carolina. Like, okay, which, which, which version of my wrongness am I embracing here? Yeah, they, they did okay against McCaffrey on the ground, but they got beat up by him through the air yep. um, and by Moore as well. I think they're a mediocre team. I think the Patriots are a mediocre team, which is so weird to have those teams meet. And it's just like they're two of really, I think, the I might say the most mediocre team in each conference. It's only two weeks, but yeah, um, kind of based on the rosters. Rojo, Fournette, Gio Bernard. Is there hope for any of these three backs? I mean, I guess there's hope for Fournette, Fournette still. Um, Rojo's in the doghouse again, right? What did he do? He missed a – He, he completely whiffed on a he, pass pro where right. Brady got sacked. I mean, it, they they highlighted it. They did – they slow-moed how bad the whiff was too. I mean, it was – and, you know, and, and I watched the games on the Grid Channel, and in the afternoon games, there was only four of them, so you can see it a little bit better. It's like, oh, that's not good. That's definitely not good. I, yeah, I didn't see it. I just read about it, so I'll, I'll have to go back and watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up watching so the my biggest observation from going back and watching like the, the quick version of the games was that Trevor Lawrence looked like Peyton Manning on the first drive and then looked like Nathan Peterman. The entire, oh, no. I was like, I was like oh, okay. I was like, okay, this is, yeah, this is what we expected. I was like, okay, who cares what happened week one? Like, this, yeah, here he is. He's here. And then it's just the rest of the game. He couldn't complete a throw. It's like his four best throws were within his first five attempts of the game and everything after was just complete trash. So is it because they scripted well in the first drive and then nothing else or did Denver just change their look or what happened? He may have scripted well, but like, it was just like he, the ball was going where he wanted it to go at first. And then later on it was just not, and he was panicking. I think the offensive line did play a lot better on the first drive. He did have time to throw. Um, and they did on like the touchdown Marvin Jones just like ran right past his guy. It was a nice throw, but it was also yeah. really terrible coverage. Yeah, that's true. You know, Denver was, has been without Bradley Chubb too. I mean, it's, they could have, it could have even been a worse ma- uh, matchup for Jacksonville somehow, but, uh, at any rate, uh, you know, they face Arizona this week. I, I have a lot of Lawrence, you know, I, I hope I bought into the you know, generational prospect tank for Trevor. We've been hearing about it for years. I thought, okay, well, let's get on board. I got some chart to go with it. I'm scared to start either of them right now. Yeah, I'm a little nervous, but I do still. I mean, I think it could still work out. I would like to see Lawrence running a little more. Yeah. Because um, he does have the athleticism. I guess he didn't run a ton in college at this, so he didn't need to. Um, yeah, but it's, you know, it's also he is a rookie quarterback, new coaching staff. It's only been two weeks. Um Maybe it shouldn't be surprising that, like, you know, Marvin Jones, the the veteran, the only veteran guy really there is the mm-hmm. only one who's doing well. Maybe it does need more time to come together. Um, yeah, maybe so. But it maybe looks so, so. bad. I, so I'm, I'm like, I'm, I tell myself this, but when you watch it, it was just like, oh. Yeah, and I, I've I've forced myself, I force fed a lot of Jacksonville because because of my exposure to them and James Robinson, I've got a couple shares of and. 
I've got a bunch of James Robinson. And it's like, yeah, I keep, I, I'm keep, you know, it's how long am I going to keep saying, well, the snap share is there. So, but if the team isn't getting first downs and touchdowns, uh, the running back is not going to Yeah. Do it. When you're, when you're trailing big early both times, I mean, it's tough. I mean, it wasn't necessarily big against Denver, but they were trailing most of the time uh, against Houston. It was 27, seven at the half against Houston, right. a, game, a, a matchup that we're supposed to be a good matchup there. That's the thing that's kind of scary about that. Uh, one other note, news item, Darrell Henderson, who's D- or Daryl Henderson, uh, has the rib cartilage in- injury, sat at the end of the game last week. Uh, Sonny Michelle took over, didn't practice today. It might not even matter because they're facing the Bucs, and you really don't want your running backs going against the Bucs anyhow. Yeah, that'll be – I've been – so I've got one team where I've got Henderson and Michelle, and with Henderson, I mean, he'd been playing every snap until he got yeah. hurt through the first two right. games. Like. I would have I would have started him regardless. Like he's gonna, you know, even if he's only not gonna get a lot of rushing yards, like he'll probably catch a few passes, have pretty decent odds at a short touchdown. Sure. Michelle, Michelle though, I you don't quite know that he's gonna have that every down roll. They did, right. I said earlier that they used basically just Michelle, but they did put Jake Funk in for I think three snaps maybe after Henderson was hurt and Michelle played like twelve or thirteen. Um and you know he so that is kind of a dicey play. Whereas with Henderson, I would feel like, okay, I'm taking the workload. Once yeah. That, once you add that uncertainty to the horrible matchup against Tampa Bay that we've seen so many great running backs fall flat in, uh, I start to get a little worried. Yeah. Which reminds me, uh, great running backs not doing a whole lot. What about uh, Zeke and Zeke versus Pollard? I mean, Zeke got more snaps, but Pollard got the same number of touches last week and <laughs> really looked really awesome. A lot, very efficient in that. Is it just because he's the fresher back, or is it be, is he the better back right now? Are you one of the, are, are you a, a Pollard truther? I'm not a Pollard truther, but it there it does seem like it's been a while now where like man, this guy looks better than Zeke whenever he comes you know he comes off the bench. Um, and I do think part of that is just playing style, right? Like you know what Elliot does well is more subtle. Um, mm-hmm. He's never been a guy who broke off a ton of long runs. He's never been even at his best. He never was like up near the league lead in tackle broken tackles um and Pollard is like a faster flashier player so I think that's part of it um but yeah I do kind of wonder like would that just be a 50-50 split if their contracts were the same right at this point right but they're not their contracts aren't the same no they're not that's true and I don't think that and even though Pollard you know I think last week may have been more of a hot hand thing we saw that once maybe twice last season where even in a non-garbage time game, Pollard did get up toward maybe like 30% snap share and a dozen touches when he was playing well. Um, but then the next week, like Elliott would play 80% of snaps again. Um, so it's more wait and see again. Like Pollard is, regardless, is like the perfect guy to have on your bench, right? Because if Elliott does get hurt, Pollard will probably be more valuable than Elliott is right now because they don't really have like a third string back they trust. That's right. Um, That's right. I kind of view like Pollard and... Uh... AJ Dillon in the same bucket there that if something right. were to happen to their starters, they'd be top 10 backs right away. Right. Like I would, yeah, I wouldn't even look at the matchup. I wouldn't look at who else was on my team. I just boop there. They're going right in the lineup and Madison. Exactly. I put like one step below that. Yep. Um, I'd agree. Just, Mike Boone's not walking through that door, but the fact is he did walk through that door in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And Madison last year, he had the two chances and he had like an absolute dud the first time when everyone played him. And then in week 17, when, you know, he was just only played in DFS, he just had like whatever it was, 35 points or something. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up today's uh, episode. Uh, Jerry, thank you so much for coming on board. Thanks for all the great articles. You can check out his work at rotowire.com slash try. We didn't really get into a deep Ravens dive. We'll have to do that some other time, maybe on Sirius XM, but uh, I, we've already gone an hour, so I, wanna, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but thanks for coming on today. All right. Yeah. Good talking to you, Jeff. Good luck with your lineups this week. All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, you, thanks for everybody for tuning in. Tomorrow, we've, of course, we've got Mario and John. Thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Have a great day. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.